Let's get this intro going. I don't know if anyone else can hear that. Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Andrew. And we are here today with a very special guest. Hi. You want to introduce yourself? (laughs) From Caroline Guitar Company. If you've been watching, listening to this podcast for the past several months, you've heard our ad spots. Yeah, I'm I'm proud to sponsor. They've... They are, a, they've been a little unhinged since the beginning. <laughs> I hope you're okay I, with that. What did you just call me? Unhinged. I, I listen to Pod Save America and their ads for, th- their sponsors are almost like they're nagging the sponsor the whole time for like a minute and a half. And I kind of love it. They're like, you know, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, like, simply safe. For when you're terrified that people are going to uh, steal all your stuff, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but it's good to see you guys. It's great to see you guys. Like, good to likewise. See good to see you. Good to be seen. Good to see. I got LASIK on um, Thursday. I guess it was. Bold play, bold play. I know it's no glasses today. What is it like waking up? No glasses. What's it like waking up in the morning and opening your eyes and being able to see? What is that like? It's very odd. I've never had that experience except like the one or two times that I maybe broke the rules with contacts just because I really wanted <laughs> to see what it was like to wake up and see things. Mm-hmm. And your eyes are bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have to peel your eyes open. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. That was gross. I think honestly the weirder thing cuz my vision was so atrocious that um the weirder thing was I took a shower last night and then I could see how like I could see like the shower like when I was in it. Like I've never been able to see like the the label on the shampoo bottle or like how dirty the shower yes. is. Yes. Oh my god. Well seeing how dirty the shower is honestly. that might be a reason for me to keep wearing glasses. You know? I know, I know. I keep a little like um um like kitchen like sink uh kitchen sink brush with the soap in there and I like scrub like when I'm like taking my yeah. shower. Like I just kinda do that normally. So it's not like the worst. But you look around and you're like, uh Yeah. This could be cleaner. So how long were you out for with the LASIK? You got LASIK you said this week? On wow! So it is like today is Sunday, and you are already yeah. like, right yep. back in commission and everything. I wasn't allowed to look at a screen for twenty four mm-hmm. hours, so that's why Andrew was allegedly messaging <laughs> you. <laughs> I didn't exactly reveal that I was the one sending the message. Okay, I just thought to myself, Andrew. "What would Emily say?" And then I made a joke and. Then I, I figured my hand was tipped, but no, no you did. I didn't know. I've at this point, I I cannot. I do not assume which of you I'm speaking to at any time. If I message, does that make sense? I'm just like I'm messaging the entity, yeah. and the entity one of the two will reply. You know, but it's uh, 
Let's say 90% of the time it's probably Emily responding, but 90% of the time I'm also either responding or reading. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm curious if someone responded to you from get offset on Thursday or Friday morning, it was definitely not me. I'm curious. If you guys oh, you know what? That, that was my chance. Wasn't it <laughs> to, really <laughs> to really cause some trouble? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I, I remember reading these studies where they had like, uh, like they they've done these studies and experiments where like men took over women's email accounts and women took over men's email accounts. You know these, yeah. And like they just yep. like all of a sudden the men just get so much pushback and so much asshole behavior that they're like, wow. Yeah. You know, I was wondering if you've ever had that experience. Coming in up. Hey, could I speak to an expert? I'm sorry? Yeah. It's this. Oh, God. Here. Is there a manager around? I, I love the Tia from Working Class Music story about how she was working in the guitar department on the phone and, and someone said, can I talk to a man? And she's like, okay. And then she puts on the intercom and she says, there's a call for a man in guitars. <laughs> And someone says, oh, I got, oh, I got this and just hangs up the phone. <laughs> oh, it's like, Incredible. Um, oh my gosh. Can I talk to <laughs> It's like that. It's like that. Uh, a man of guitars. Oh my Lord. Yeah. It's like the, yeah, it's like the always sunny when they go for the bank loan and all of a sudden there's the woman who's <laughs> the man loan manager and like, can we speak to the real manager? <laughs> and it's like, oh boy. <laughs> I think my, my favorite thing about that email study though is that it started as an accident. The guy was like, why are, why is everyone suddenly so mean to me? And he realized his email signature has had switched over to his female counterpart. Yep. Oh my God. He's like, Huh. It's kind of like a plot shield. <laughs> Men just walk through life with a plot shield. <laughs> I, I call it, I, I, I'm skeptical of, this is a bag of worms. I'm skeptical of ever calling anything a privilege because there's a whole bunch of people who are like, my life sucks. You call this privilege, you know? <laughs> like, so I get that, you know, I'm like, yeah, and it, yeah, a dude, a dude who's a dude who's two missed paychecks away from like total poverty is not going to think of himself as privileged, right? But there is a world of the benefit of doubt that I, that a lot of people are extended that should be extended to everybody. Like that privilege should be everybody's. Like I should be able to run down the street wearing a hoodie and nobody thinks I'm getting away with something. You know, nobody tries to stop me. Yeah, you know, and. Uh, just getting away with comfort. Just getting away with comfort, yeah. you know? And I'm like, I think about these a fair deal of time when, like, you describe, like, this ass, the, the asshole behavior, the can I speak to an expert? I'm like, man, it, that benefit of the doubt, you know? Extended yeah. that benefit of the doubt, you know, nobody, like, you know, like, yeah. it, 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 nobody, like, nobody ever really has to question so much you know yeah. and that's the stuff it's it's really funny challenging you know 
It's funny in Guitar Gear because everyone already does that to everybody in Guitar Gear. Like, nobody gets the bit of the yeah. doubt. So everyone thinks that, oh, that's just everybody's an asshole to everybody in Guitar Gear culture. But they don't get, like, women still get it worse, man. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to imagine that women get yeah. it worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, um, nope. yeah. It's, 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 this nope. is the su- no one's offering to rearrange your pedal board for you at your own show if you're a guy. No one does that. Well, there it happens, but way less often. So my, that would be my thing. The, like neither of these is a privileged position. It's more like this is this is what we should get, and this is shit, and this is extra shit. You know? Like this, yeah, there's the extra yeah. shit, and like like that. That's the extra shit. You know? Like I mean. I, I, I I remember when I toured and gigged, you know, way back when musicians were allowed to make money. Um, like <laughs> what? Um, yeah, wow. but uh, like I, I, I've had coworkers like ask me like, "What was it like when record labels gave you money?" And I'm like, I always laugh about it. It's like, it's it's crazy in hindsight. Um, but uh, I just do remember even back then, and this was early waves of boutique, like super early waves were like, like, you know, when there was like, there was analog man, there was full tone, there was Zvex, there was prescription, and there was basically not much else, you know? Armadillo? Armadillo might, I don't even remember Armadillo. I remember Diaz made some stuff. Menatone, like you saw a couple Menatone pedal stuffs, like like Mesa was a boutique amp company at that time, you know, like that's how long ago it was, and like early days. Oh, how times have changed! I know, right? And uh, I remember I would have dudes come by and like see my pedal board, and this was like I had a pedal board. This is crazy, but I had a pedal board before Pedal Train was out, right? Like. It's crazy to me because I yeah. like them. You'd go to a there was a guy in Richmond who made pedal boards, and they were kind of like that pre-salvage kind of thing with like a wood case and all the shit, and it was heavy as fuck, and it was brutal. <laughs> and you're carrying like I'm sitting there. I have six pedals on the thing, and the thing weighs like thirty pounds, and it was like. But I would have dudes like come by and like. So you don't use a fuzz. Uh, hmm. uh, you know all this shit is fucking with your tone you know uh, <laughs> it's like man there's always been that guy there's always been that guy yeah he's just like sitting there. You know, true bypass yep, not your number. and then he's standing yeah, three quarters of the way back that was that was way before true bypass conversations oh this was true bypass conversations we had those Oh, what yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. Oof, duh. I, mean, I kind of, I kind of, I don't want to blame, but the person I, I really think, I really think Full Tone was who put that into like people's lexicon. You know, they're they're so <laughs> they banged the drum so hard for it. You know, um, but I remember like who? Full Tone. You know, he shall be not be named now. Oh, he's he's yeah. yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he did. And then you'd have the guy after he scolded your pedal board. This, this, this is still the guy. Like I'm like, he's standing three quarters of the way back in the venue with his arms folded the whole time. Yep, yep. See, there's a there's a great joke about like a president of Atlantic Records showing up, um, 
like walking with Chuck Klosterman or someplace somewhere. And there's a receptionist wearing the Led Zeppelin t-shirt. He's got like the long hair and the Atlantic records guy turns to the reporter and goes, I went to high school with that guy and like walks past him. But of course he didn't because the guy at the reception is like 20 or 21. And the guy from Atlantic is like in his fifties or whatever. And it's like, yeah. I went to school with that guy, you know, like, we all <laughs> went to school with the, the guy in the Led Zeppelin shirt. Cool with that guy. Yeah, who drove around in a Monte Carlo or some yeah. giant overpowered car. <laughs> and we all have played yeah. the gig with the dude with his arms folded three quarters of the way back in the venue, shaking his head the whole time. <laughs> I still think my favorite person is the person who's trying to talk to you about your setup while you're trying to set up. <laughs> All right, man, just, I'm working to try to do something. <laughs> Can you just, I'm like trying to like, like, like figure out why I'm not getting a signal pass through or something. Like I'm flustered or whatever. And the guy's like, is that a, is that a halberd? <laughs> Oh, those are cool. What do you think about that? You know, the new one has that toggle so you can go between two different times. Like, shut up! I'm working over here. I'm trying to figure out why I don't have any reverb right now. <laughs> or they're making suggestions. You know, you really need an RC booster. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not, it's not going to happen now. No. I have my germanium boost right there. It's fine. You know, germanium boosts are really unpredictable. Not this one. Watch my demo. Fuck off. <laughs> you know, what you really need is like a, is a Barber effects game changer. Uh, it's as if like the gear page manifested itself in a human. <laughs> I might've ordered one of those. Well, yesterday. <laughs> let me just, let me just open the game portal and pull one. You know, and here it is. There it is. I changed. I changed to satisfy your desires. You know, right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always the the commenter, and yet, son of a. If, if if I'm to be honest, not a hypocrite. Let's be honest. We've all judged bands before they've even played a note based on sometimes on the gear. Like we've all done it. Like they. Yeah, we've all. I I I kind of judge people if they're like got battles falling off of their board. I'm like, try. That's just try. I was watching an opening act. I can't remember the name of the act to save my life, but there's two boards on stage. One was this massive rig that looked like it needed like four Zumas to power it. Yep. <laughs> um, a hundred pound pedal board just absolutely massive the other one was literally like a chunk of two by four you could still see that they had like sawed off with a handsaw but never like sanded the edge and like four behringer pedals <laughs> and i'm like all right this is how are these two guys in the same band yep. uh i just kind of assumed it was going to be garbage they get out there believe it or not the giant <laughs> you want to know who had the big pedal board it's the bass player <laughs> <laughs> and the dude with the the four Paringer pedals just fucking ripped. That's awesome. His tone actually sounded decent. He he made it work. It wasn't like phenomenal. I mean, we were playing. I think they were playing at El Corazon. So I mean, small room, awkward shape, whatever. It's just loud, noisy. Nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. And no, no that they they played a really great set. Um, I wish I could remember the uh, the band name for the life. I can't remember for the life of me anymore. It was just one of those. I was full on like, yep, no, this is gonna be. 
going to be an opening act. Maybe I should just go pay fifteen dollars for a beer and sit in the back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, you're glad. That was good. Glad you stayed. I'm skeptical. Whenever I see dudes who are too excited about their gear and they're talking about their gear to people in the front row and they're pointing at their shiny new gear and they're pointing at, I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, like this, you know? Because I don't know. Like I think at that point, if you're rehearsed enough and you have chosen your stuff and you've like picked it out for this show and you're right, like you're almost like if you're really prepared, you're not even thinking about the gear anymore. You know, except if it works or not, you know, like, it's like, Ooh, like, like, man, this is just something that makes things repeat. And this is just something that makes it noisy. Yeah. This is something that just, and this is just something for that chorus. And this is something for that intro of the part. Like, it's just like, it's just stuff I have to execute, you know? Whereas like, yeah. guys are like, super, like, check it out. I just got this. Oh, it's so nice. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And they're showing like, they're showing off their, their new guitar and put, put, put it, so when they're talking about it. And I'm like, man, oh, this is going to be, this person's <laughs> obviously in the honeymoon period. And this, this has got me nervous, you know, like, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm skeptical at that point. The, uh, and then there's also all the, the dead giveaways and stuff where you're like, okay, I know the style of this band, obviously, from the gear, you know? I mean, you, you must see this in – I mean, when you go to Nashville, you must see this a ton, Emily, where it's like someone wrote to me, and I was laughing because where I am, this is still kind of like a pretty cool thing to have. But someone wrote this thing, and it got a bunch of likes, and I was trying to remember myself, but they said – if I see another butterscotch relic Telecaster in Nashville, I'm going to scream. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the guitar. What are you going to yeah. do? It's it's the yeah. Sorry, it's the guitar. <laughs> what are you, you going to do about it? Like, damn. But dude. but at the same, it's like saying it's a. There's a, there's a game I like to play where uh, I'll one day I'll open up. I'll go to the pedal board of the days page yeah. and just go through the, the pedal boards. I'll take one look and decide on the spot, where are they on a Sunday morning? <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll go to the, the page for whoever owns the board and see if it's like first Corinthians two thirteen or whatever <laughs> verse that they've got at top. Like, yep, there we go. That's a lot of them. I recommend it. Like play the game, like just choose 10, throw, like throw them like at a dartboard, choose 10 and see like how many out of 10 you can get. I saw somebody who's who on Twitter said something like, "Sorry, Juliet Baker, your pedal board is way too Christian," and she was like, "Guilty AF." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's very yeah, religious. Yeah. <laughs> Do people forget yeah. that? <laughs> but I just thought it was also pretty funny because I'm like, actually, hers is her. I, I think of hers as not particularly Christian because there's weird loopings involved you know and there's like weird routings and there's stuff to keep track of and this only works if this works you know like like whoa that's a little that's a little nuance there you know like i think it's hard to come out of memphis or nashville and not have like at least some ccm influences on your pedal board because we had katie kirby on yeah i was about to say that not even and she's not even like she's not religious, but she has very like 
CC and pedal board mm-hmm. leanings. Like she has, a, she has a Julia. That's her favorite pedal mm-hmm. of all time is the Walrus mm-hmm. Julia. <laughs> and it's cool. Well, we, you know, and she's like, what are some other chorus pedals? And we're like, somersaults. There's somersaults. <laughs> there's like, there's not really a ton off the top of my head. Like, I mean, Old Blood Noise does the, the Myriad, which is cool. The Myriad mode one. And I'm blanking mm. on its name now. Uh, Reflector. Yeah. That's the, I call it Myriad because yeah. that's the mode I would use in it all the time. But um, yeah, mm. there's just, it's it's a funny thing. There's just not a ton. And the Julia, first time I played the Julia, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty right, dude. Like, that's that's a pretty right chorus, you know? And, but yeah, yeah. The, 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 I, I was... I was struggling with it. We were laughing about this when we were recording some stuff with some rockers here in Columbia. And I was like, it took me a hard time to wrap my head around sort of the indie rock that comes from the Carolinas in the South, because I was used to a certain kind of indie rock from like Virginia and Maryland on up, which is sort of the lodestar of that stuff still seems to be Fugazi, right? And it's sort of like punkish or gnarly and it's like atonal at times. And there's like this trashy quality to it. And then when I came to the South, I was like, I I was like trying to describe it to someone. I was like, the thing I couldn't get past in a lot of the indie rock for a long time in the South is the earnestness, right? There's not that cynical Mm, thing, but there's like this earnestness and we were talking about it and a lot of it comes from like a lot of indie rockers come from CCM roots, you know, like, and their lodestar is almost more someone like Bazan or like Pedro the lion or like me without you yep. or a lot of these bands that sort of come from yep. that kind of like, uh, like we were laughing about, it's like a little bit the preacher's son kind of thing. Uh, Yep. And yeah. it's an earnestness that was really tough for me to wrap my head around because I was used to like this kind of real cynical snark, you know, that um, that I was that uh, the, the worldview of it, you know, is different. But also like how melodically constructed it was, like even the indie rock polished, oh, yeah. you know, um, maybe almost more polished than like that sunny day real estate descent of things, as opposed to like an Albini kind of approach. Um, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it, you get, you get a lot of that up here too. Mm-hmm. Weirdly. Yeah. Like, I think that Mars Hill was just so big up here that those influences are still being really felt mm-hmm. because a lot of the people who kind of grew up going to live music as like teenagers, that was how they went to live music. It was like Mars Hill churches. Mm-hmm. Like even like Jessica Dobson is a great example of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of earnestness. It's, it's always strange. Cause I, I work in corporate AV up here. And so talking with other people in the corporate AV world, even and realizing how many of the people that I work with, like in my network used to work in the Mars Hill network and the stories that I've heard are like, Whoa. So between them, some of my musician friends were like, wait, you were you used to play in a Mars Hill? What? I had no idea. Yeah. And just how deep that goes in the in this area is um, really strange for someone who transplanted here shortly after the fall of Mars Hill. Yeah, that's interesting because I remember when the when the fallout happened. But the same like that. Um, yeah, I remember reading about the different fallout around Mars Hill and stuff. But I. 
I'm, I'm fascinating how these things end up seeding a whole bunch of musicians in a way that's different than it used to be, where people formed, you know, terrible high school bands, you know, as opposed to through these, you know, through these praise and worship kind of things where there's a certain, I don't know, so maybe a certain expectation of discipline, you know, I was curious about that. If there's like more of an expectation, like you're to play this and play this right, right? Whereas I sort of... Well, I mean, larger churches expect you to have your music memorized and it's a different song every week. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, when I was in high school band, we played like five songs and sure we had those memorized, but they're like three chord songs. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just, it, when I was playing actively in, um, for churches, even on a smaller level, having that expectation of you have that music memorized, mm -hmm. you're not playing with chord charts, you're not no reference, no, like you've got it down the entire set and the set's different every week with songs that bleed into each other and coordinating with the, I don't know, that there's a level of production value that seems to be built into a culture of striving for excellence mm -hmm. um, that I think is interesting. Yeah. I mean, because we... Memor memorization costs extra when I play <laughs> I, I tell people that up front. That's a good way of putting it. You know, like, yeah, if there are, if you're not going to hand me charts, then, you know, in advance. Oh yeah. But it's fair. But that's a it's, fair point. Like you're like, if you're expected to learn this stuff and not. Memorize it. It's, 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 it takes a lot more yeah. time. Like I can, mm -hmm. I can, if I, have, if I have a chart, I can do it and figure it out in two hours. But if I don't have a chart, I have to learn it by ear and then I have to memorize it. Yep. That's 10, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours. Like, that's a lot of time. It takes me a long time to memorize stuff. For a gig, I'm only going to play once. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. It costs extra. Yeah. Make it rain. Make it rain on that, you know? Because I was fascinated. I, I'm curious if you guys have seen this trend as well. I've, I've noticed in Columbia here, there aren't so many, or there are bands, but it's different. Like, I came from this ba band background where it's like, you're in a band, and you're in that band, and that's the band you're in, and you guys, you, you, you put the batch of you together, and you write songs kind of collaboratively, and then you'd fight about who gets credit or whatever, and you kind of succeed and fail as like this entity, right? And yeah, I was talking about this, and... This customer of mine who's in like, I was like, how are you in like four bands? He's like in four bands. And he's like, I was describing to him. I was like, we don't have the, I was describing what I was going through. And he just said, ain't nobody got time for that anymore. Like he was shaking his head about that. I'm like, yeah. what, but you're in four bands. He's like, yeah, but really what it is is he's in four bands frequently sharing four solo projects. Exactly. They're sharing a lot of the same members, but yeah. this one is this guy's project where he's written these songs. And then everybody just has to learn that guy's songs. And then he places this, and then there's this girl's songs and everybody learns this girl's songs and they're playing. It's like, it was interesting to me how much of this becomes really leader driven, like really chief driven as opposed to like, um, Everybody yeah. kind of collaborating. collaborating and sorting it out, you know. Like, like yeah. as I was describing this, it was funny. He's just shaking his head, like, 
like, you got six hours to sit there and like bash out a bunch of riffs and and everybody fight about how they fit together. Like, wow, you know. Meanwhile, he's yeah. sorting that stuff out, and, recording. Yeah. You know, like he's like blah blah blah. You know, it's like, did you all? Did you guys have Pro Tools back then? I was like, no, we were lucky to have a four track. He's like, ah, see, yeah. <laughs> like he's sending people like, here are my my Logic or GarageBand demos, and learn. You know, yeah, yeah. It used to be you really had to have things ironed out beforehand, and now you can experiment a lot more on your own. Even send them to everybody and be like, even in GarageBand, be like, okay, now here's some just riff that the algorithm made mm -hmm. up, or here's some here's some royalty free thing that I got in PreSona Studio One. Do something kind of like that, but different. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm in, I play bass in a project called Jerf. It's a solo yeah. project, but it's kind of a, so the guy he he's a great songwriter and he just did everything on his album pretty much except for the drums. So I just went in, I learned the bass parts, and um, I'll write bass parts for new stuff ostensibly. Sunday Crush is less of a solo mm -hmm. project, but it's still really Jenna's mm -hmm. band. Um, so we, we do, we're doing more collaborative writing now, but when I came in, I was just really a hired gun for an album that had already been mm -hmm. released. So now we're doing writing together, but it, it is a lot more time consuming versus if she could just sit, would just, if she just sat down and wrote songs and told us to like come up with some parts and work them together, that would be mm -hmm. faster. It'd be less fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a different kind of fun where but, a whole bunch of people have a, I think it's a different kind of fun where a whole bunch of people have a creative stake in it. Um, yep. And I think there's but those people all have to be able to get along with each other and have good communication skills. And that's the, for every member you add, the harder it is to ensure that a new member will work with everybody else equally. Yeah. Well, every band has expendable <laughs> members pretty much, except Queen. <laughs> it's a the the Beatles thing I think is fascinating when I've been watching people watch get back and they're just so blown away by how like um kind of even at the end of their ropes how collaborative they were, you know, and they're sitting there chatting and just throwing ideas back and forth. And um that's been a, a fun takeaway for me because watching like <laughs> watching us boomers or Gen Xers watch it, we're like, yeah, okay, that's Wow, like we're, we're like we're seeing the apex version of what we all sometimes had little tastes of, um, yeah. And then, but watching younger people watch it, they're just like, "Yo, what?" Like, yeah, like you know, what I'm saying where there's like, there, it, it, like, it, it, it's almost like, what would happen now if McCartney was sitting there working on "Get Back"? Like, would he have just garage banded it and like just figured it all? Yeah. You know? I, well, I don't know. I probably, yeah. I don't know if they would have done it in the room together no. like that. I, I, cause I can't, it's hard to imagine other people just sitting there patiently watching him do that. No, no. <laughs> and it's, but I, you know, and then there's, then there's people who, who thrive in actual like group collaboration. And then there are people who like just thrive in working by themselves, off by themselves for a while doing something and you know different days sometimes you want to be in a group and sometimes different days just things 
come together more organically. I like coming in with mm -hmm. ideas because I don't, yeah. Then again, like when I think about the, the things that I've done with Sunday crush, that I've been like best mm -hmm. with the band It's stuff. I came together that came together in the room together with the rest mm -hmm. of the band. So, and not the stuff that I brought in necessarily. Like that was fun for warm ups, but ultimately, you know, what I did there in the group with them performed best and resonated best with them probably because they were part of it well i mean you, you I, I think i could break it down uh like to define some terms there's two different roles that i'm hearing here and one is being a musician and one is being an artist mm -hmm. artist is where you're contributing a lot more musician is where you're just there to play the music i don't think either of those are inherently bad i think there's a time and place for both of those and that even one individual shouldn't shoehorn themselves in just one or the other mm -hmm. and so um, when like CCM, like you're almost always just going to be the musician that shows up and plays exactly how it was on the album. And then you go home and take a very long nap because you were at church at 6am on your weekend. <laughs> so do you find you eat, you guys write drift differently or remember writing differently when there was a drummer present? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not used to writing around drums, so when I do, it's it's very different. We, we, we've been writing a lot just having the drummer start with something, and that's- That is a fun. fun thing, because we're so, in a pop, in a pop history lexicon, we're so used to, like, the melodic instruments or whatever, or the ones that are tonal setting uh -huh. that definition for us, you know, like, start with the riff, right, you know, or um, play a hook. Right. And those things so define like your key. They're so define a lot of rhythmic things. They just define a lot of, you know, they, they sort of, they sort of set the decision tree for what happens melodically. But yeah, I miss, yeah. I miss like kicking things off with a drummer, you know? And I think, I think that's fun. I think that's, that's more and more important in music is the drums. Well, it's funny to me when you think about how like music was considered what like things like uh drums were banned at the Grand Ole Opry until God when when were drums allowed at the Grand Ole Opry? They were banned for a long time because it was considered pop music. And there's a lot of old country songs that sounds like there's drums, but there's not. It's just like it's just the back beat on on the bass and then the 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 palm muting on the guitar wow that's wild to think that a trap drummer was so associated as like a like a kit so a kit drummer was just like anathema it's very strange you know but i am yeah. thinking about it now i'm thinking about all those like kind of old-timey bands where they sit around like around one microphone right mm -hmm. and you're like well hell you mm -hmm. know like <laughs> that, that might not have been possible. They might not have even been able to get the volume over a drummer back then. Yeah, well, if you had a big band like Bob Wills, who was the first person to use the um, to use a, a drum set on the Opry in '44, um, I mean, yeah, you definitely had the volume. But you know, drummers can play pretty quietly. They had amplification, like ample ample amplification. Uh, 67, it looks like, is when a full set of drums was used on the Opry for the first time. Yeah. 67. Because before then, it was it was considered pop music. Mm -hmm. We it, They had amplification made by people who hated rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's, 
So it's funny you mentioned uh, well, rhythm as being such an important aspect because one of the things, because I was a drummer first before I was a guitar player. And one of the genres that's always captivated me on that level has been like hip hop and rap. Mm-hmm. It just it starts with a beat and then everything else around it revolves around that rhythm. And I find that that infuses the music with, so, with just a level of energy. There's there's a vibe, there's an energy, there's a this is how things are going now mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily find in other music. And one of the things that I love and when I listen to music is music that's quote unquote energetic. And what always drives me nuts is what what makes something energetic uh, as a drummer? Because you can play a fast song and it can just feel lifeless. Yep. And uh, rhythm's always just gonna will always be something that fascinates me to that extent. But if you're if you're trying to write a song without without a drummer, it totally changes the di- the dynamic for me. So one of my favorite drummers is uh, yeah. this guy named Kevin Murphy, who's uh, Nashville based as well. He's uh, as big right foot as his Instagram, and he's a Hilarious guys played with a lot of rock bands. He was with Tonic for a while. He was with a country artist named Randy Hauser for a while. He's like, um, he played in 90s bands, like this 90s band called Egypt for a while and Earth to Andy for a while. And he was like, he's an old school Virginia 90s guy who went Nashville and rock and does all this stuff. And he's just like extremely opinionated and funny and difficult to, diff- difficult to agree with on everything, but he's, an awesome drummer. He's one of these guys who just destroys kick pedals and it's like his ferocious player. Big right foot, yeah, you know. Yeah, big right foot. But he's like, but he, uh, and he's someone like you would love chatting with Emily. Like he's just like, he's just uh, also incredibly contrary about a lot of stuff, Nashville esque and stuff. But he, um, he had a great phrase once I can't stop thinking about, which is, uh, he said, if it doesn't make you want to fight, fuck, or dance, it's bad drumming. <laughs> that just sounds like bad music, too. But I, I like was that. like, damn. <laughs> but he sort of summed it up. That's it. Like, I was like, he was like, I'm sorry. Like, somebody who does, like, all kinds of crazy tricks, da, la, 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 la. He's like, not a good drummer. It's like, he's like, Meg White, look at that audience. Like he's yep. he's like look at look at that look at those white stripes footage and look at that audience and what's happening. Like if that's not good drumming, then how is that audience doing that? You know. And I'm like, yep. He's like, it's it's almost like he's like it's just. I I want to fight people who say Meg White's not a good yeah. drummer. That's what yeah. I want to do. But he just like he drops it on them like. Because it's like, well, what about this? And he's a guy who used to do marching band stuff and all those exercises. Stuff. So he's used to like, mm-hmm. he's like, you can talk yep. about all the technical hoodads with me. Like he can do it. But if it doesn't do these three things, it's bad drumming. And yep. I saw some stuff he did with using Pro Tools for drum instruction. I thought it was brilliant where Murphy would like multi-track a drummer and they'd be doing shuffles and he could show them like, no, 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 no. Here's what's happening. Like you need to move this ahead of the beat and this centered on the beat and this behind the beat. Like, and he could show yep. them. Uh, and I was like, this is brilliant because so often when we think about DAWs and we're rec- recording with Ableton and with logic and tools and all this, people kind of try to lock. Yep. And they start to think like they're doing an Excel spreadsheet yep. where they're like locking 
to the, <laughs> yep. the cells. Really? Yeah. Yep. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this. It's like you hear those guys who like qu- then quantize Van Halen on YouTube and it's hilarious. And it's like, yeah. Oh, bad. And then you're like, oh, this yep. is rough, you know. Um, and then um, but then Murphy, I was like, this is brilliant because he's like he can hear he can hear what the guy is not doing right. And then he's like, hold on, let me yep. put it into a DAW. Let me put it in here and I can show you against the grid, like where you're not centered or where you're doing this or where you're doing this, how these things need to yep. like roll around the beat, you know, as he's like, right now, it's like, you're too stiff here. You're too loose here. Like, it's like a combination of these things. It's pretty, pretty damn brilliant. You know, like you do need a bit of a human element in there. Otherwise it could sound sterile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom Questlove always said one of the things he loved, one of the things he loved about Prince's drumming was that Prince would slow down and speed up. <laughs> you can't, no one's, no one's tried to quantize Prince's drumming, thankfully, because that would probably not be fun either. I mean, Tom Petty had that. Even with, go on, I'm sorry, Andrew. No, you're, you're good. Uh, it's, especially with drumming though, it's not even just about speeding up and slowing down. It's even just like in the, within a phrase you get your four uh, within a measure on your backbeat, if your backbeat's on or if it's slightly behind or slightly in front makes a huge difference. Even if you're quote unquote, like if you're still playing at the same speed, mm-hmm. just where you're landing that within the measure makes a world of a difference because you can go without having to fully swing a beat or syncopate a song, you can give it a little bit of a swing feel by just playing slightly behind the beat. And that makes a world of a difference in how a song sounds just by the drummer being slightly behind, but still staying at a steady, at a steady um, pace. And it, that's one of my favorite things I learned when I was, I, I did jazz band in high school. And that was one of the things that the, the, uh, the teacher would always yell is like, you're too fast. I'm like, but I'm playing to the metronome. I was like, stay behind the beat. You swing it, swing it harder. Yes. And that's awesome. I can hear. Swing it. Swing it, white boy. I can hear Mr. P, this bald white dude in his 20s, just yelling, swing it harder, like across, like up. <laughs> um, well, that's one of the things I liked about the snare trap, that Ranger FX pedal, is you could set it to, to play behind the beat a little that's bit. That's clever. That's very clever. The. Uh, it's a good battle. I, I, I did jazz improv in high school, and I remember laughing once I got just completely lost. Where I'm like, I'm tr- I was trying to follow the chord charts. I'm like, oh god, C sharps at uh, yep. thirteen, blah, 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 blah. and I just got lost as hell. Like I was in like, woo, like the train uh-huh. missed me, right? And I was doing a lead break, and I just started like, ah, oh, fuck it, and I just started taking. I started just doing unison bends of taking a. D and bending it to a high E where I'm like on the 12th and 15th, right? And going, whack, 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 whack. And I'm like, I'm going to have to do this for the next 16, you know, I've got a while to do this. Remember, yeah. I'm just going, whack, whack. And then the thing's going, and I'm like, whack, 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 whack. And the guy running at the jazz band leader looks over and goes, nice tension. <laughs> I meant to do that. And I'm like, all I know is I'm gonna have to end on a C sharp. Okay, like that's what I knew. I can yep. see, 
I can see down the line, like, I'm going to end on C-sharp, and we're going to be good. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Golden Girl is out. Ooh. Golden Girl. Boy, Hattie. So, this episode of the Get Upset Podcast is sponsored by Caroline Guitar Company because Philippe did me a huge favor. He brought one of the ugliest guitars in America back to life. Thank you. Um, and what a Thank life that guy. What, what a life that has. Look at that. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. So, if, for those who forgot, this used to be a Gatlinburg fever dream of a guitar. It, I called it the Cloud Titty Guitar. Uh, <laughs> This deal keeps getting worse and worse on Cloud Titty. <laughs> wow. Andrew, are you okay? No, I, I'm good there, but the, props to Philippe. <laughs> I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> so uh, you said this terrible airbrush job on it that had these ladies, these cloud trucker ladies shooting uh, lightning out of their assholes. Uh, but now it is this gorgeous, gorgeous gold. It has the B bender. I'm so happy with it. Oh my goodness! It's, it, it looks fantastic. Mine is at the workspace, but I'm going to send a picture to y'all to insert here. Um, yes. Just hold up your arms like this, and we'll Photoshop. It. How about that? I'm not yeah. that good at Photoshop. Um, yeah, Boot at uh, B.A. Ferguson Guitars did the refin work, and he did it uh, similar yes. to his flyweight. So it's sort of a, a matte finish. I, I think of it as almost like it's almost like a nitro, nicer version of the finish you used to see Fender do on the Highway Ones in California's in the early 2000s. Where mm -hmm. It was like this razor thin, um, yep, lacquer finish that's supposed to wear easier i'm laughing because I, I literally as i've set mine down and then accidentally knocked it over it's already started to put chips in the corners oh yeah i have some chips over here yeah. already <laughs> it's gonna age yeah, nicely. it's gonna age in a hurry i'm so excited. so i'm excited it's beautiful and uh we both got gold because we were talking i you because you saw the picture i post on instagram right after i bought it and you messaged yeah. me it about how GNLs are great guitars, like because I wasn't gonna buy this until I plugged the guitar until I plugged it in. And it sounded so good. It's like, damn it! It sounded so good and it had that B bender, and it's the right kind mm. of Telecaster, and the, and it's it also had the maybe the 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 scariest guitar finishing I've ever seen. Like it was, <laughs> it was horrible. It was so bad. And the paint job even went under the pit guard, which was signed by Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> Don't forget about that what part. I, what I find tough is also like, there's a certain kind of tastelessness that's artistic and kind of, can kind of be provocative. Yeah. And this wasn't it. Like this. Um, no. No. This was just tacky. Yeah, and it's really tacky and also like kind of an attacky, but also amateurish too. Like it was. It's like that. It's like that Woody Allen quote, like such such terrible food and such small portions. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the the um, and and I remember Boot and I were talking about refinishing my GNL, which 
the problem with the problem with a lot of these like when, when is your GNL from? Do you, did you get the year on yours? It just said they just said late nineties or early two thousands. Yeah. I think the vibe was it's like sixteen to twenty years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, mine is in ninety six, yeah. and they had like this really yeah. thick poly finish on it that mine got beat up and it did not look cool. Like it looked like, like, Oh, this just looks like abuse. And I had a a guy who was like, I can fix this, but then it's just going to look like a bird shit on your guitar because if you drop fill it (laughs) and then it's, then it's just going to be like these clear drop fills that are clearly not blended in with the rest of the finish. Yep. Right. So I was like, just strip this down. Boot had done a PRS for me like this. Um, and just strip it down and throw finish on it. And, and when you and I were like, let's do gold. I was like, yeah, we'll have golden girls. We'll have two golden Janet. Oh, golden girls. Yep. And then the timing. What a comedic timing. God damn it, Betty White. <laughs> right when People puts out her 100th birthday magazine. <laughs> what a gag. That's so fucking funny. I looked over at Melissa and I said, okay, like I'm not ready to accept that she's passed. And so for now, I'm just going to hope that she is taking gross advantage of the fact she's the only person in the world that could fake her own death and we could forgive her for it. (laughs) And she's just going to walk out onto a stage for the screening for her 100th birthday and just blow everybody's minds. Uh, But like people put out the magazine 100th birthday. It was New Year's Eve, so she's getting like the most toasts of anybody in the world to her. That like, God, she's like, I'm, right, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> That's the world's best Irish exit ever from a party. Yep, <laughs> we knew you need to rename the Irish exit the Betty White, where you just leave. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, peace out, <laughs> toodles. <laughs> I've had enough. I love everybody doing. I love everybody like doing the math. Like, okay, she went, she lived through twenty four leap years, so I think we can say that she lived a hundred years because that's twenty four extra days, and she was seventeen days away from mm-hmm. being a hundred. Mm. Yeah, I don't think she gives a shit. Yes. Like, 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 like <laughs> what? What a legacy, though, that you live to be ninety. You die at ninety nine, and people think you died too soon. Like, wow. Yeah, that's that's a long full life, and. Yeah. You know, and we got to tell Betty White we loved her while she was alive, which was awesome. You know, we didn't have. Yeah, not a lot of people get their flowers. Yeah, you know? give them, get, make sure she gets her flowers. Did we mention this episode of the Get Offset podcast is sponsored by the Caroline Guitar Company? Hold on for a sec. I snuck off for a second, and now I'm back. The CC. This episode of the Get Offset podcast was sponsored by Caroline Guitar Company. Thank. You. This is my second Hawaiian pizza. Have you compared it to a Hawaiian yet? No, I've been uh, a little busy, but hopefully I'll have some time to play guitar today, depending on when an article I have to write is due, which I need to check on. Awesome. <laughs> check on that shit. So uh, hopefully, but uh, I did them in stereo for that um, Christmas time is here. I love it. <laughs> Which was really funny. And that Jonas PS3 that you have. That thing is so cool. God. I am so stoked. I got I got this thing for like a hundred bucks. I love me some It's a little It's look how so grizzled. I I, I do kind of worry about the innards, just seeing how rusty it is, but And it works it works for now. 
100 oh, it's a pink whatever. label. Look at that. Is that good? I just love me some Y2K it's Boss. One of those Easter egg things. Y2K Boss. I love what it. What did you say, Andrew? Y2K Boss. I want a PS3. I want an RV3 and a PN2, man. Y2K Boss, dude. <laughs> oh, Andrew has my old PN2. Oh, you have the PN2? But I told him... I told him if he sells it, he has to offer it to me first for what I charged him for it, which was not a lot of money. I think I sold a PN2. I'm pretty sure. He's not allowed to flip it. I'm pretty sure I sold a P I may be remembering this wrong. Either I sold one or Matt Hoops and I. Yes. Oh, my God. And I love the solo cup, the, the topper you put on there. Gorgeous. I feel like I sold a PN2. Andrew Hoops. makes those toppers. Oh, yeah, did you? I'm pretty sure I did because I had an extra one and then I put it for sale and Matt, I feel like Matt Hoops got it, but I might be remembering it wrong. But yeah, we we're, it, nice. it's like, yeah, it's, it's so 90s Y2K, those, those three pedals in my brain, they're all like, that's, that's, that's the boss I know and love is that. And then my, my, my other fetish is for the line selector, you know? So that's the other one. I, the LS2, brilliant. I mean, it's basically kind of the root of this. It's not dissimilar from this thing by Old Blood Noise. This thing is great. I love mm -hmm. this thing. The signal blunder. Signal yeah. blunder. This thing is, this yep. thing. I need to get me one of those. This thing is useful. I'm going to do an experiment later today. I'm excited about yes. Paul David on his YouTube channel did a, a thing about the Hallelujah guitar sound, how it's a mix of short and long oh. reverb. It's great. It's a really cool video. And he did it with different amps and multiple things. But what I was tempted to do is put something like a, uh, a super moon or a, a dark star in one and then a meteor in the other mm -hmm. yeah. and then do short, long reverb oh. in mono with yep. a single blender and see if we can get that same kind of thing. This thing is great. I got one for a friend of nice. mine, for uh, a bass player, for um, a longtime bandmate and friend who plays bass. I got one of these for him for Christmas as well. And this thing, um, it's just cool. Like it just does it really well. This is a lot like the LS2, but more because, yeah. you know, you're not tied to like the mode switch on the LS2. This is, this is like yeah. the LS2, but evolved. Um, and I, I have the Klein bottle and it's just, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe a little too much too much happening. I don't know what to do with it. But um yes, on that note, what else what's what's else coming up with Caroline Guitar Company that you can tell us well, about? Um, you can well, thanks uh the, the big things we are this year we are going to do there are two things that I'm excited about early for this year. Uh one is we're going to do a wider release of Chrom which is the um, the pedal we did. I think you, did you get a crom? I think you did get a crom, didn't you? I got a crom. It's over here. I haven't, I haven't demoed it yet, but it intense. It is very intense. And, um, the story behind that is we got, uh, the, the long story about it is that we got uh, one of our old Olympia pedals back that was broken. This guy's like, it's broken, it's not working. I was like, okay. And I stepped on it. And I was like, oh, my God, this thing is so broken. And it's obvious to switch because what would happen is I'd switch it on and it'd either be like halfway on or nothing, right? Halfway on or nothing, halfway on or nothing. So I'm like, okay, 
It's a switch. Yeah. It goes through. It clean up a few things. The things are roaring, beast again. We send it back to the guy. Nothing. Then comes it. He messages us back, and he's like, "What the hell did you all do to my pedal?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? I fixed it." Like, "You're welcome." <laughs> and he's like, "This is awful." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "This thing just sounds like this fuzzy, loud, like pedal." Like, what do you mean? He's like. It was working sometimes and it wasn't. And it hit me. I'm like, oh my God. Like, the sound he liked was like a weird, oh. broken thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, how are we going to get this back? Like, because it was doing like this kind of broken thing. And we figured out a way. He sent it back. We found a way to get it. And then I was laughing. I was like, okay, we need to be able to get that. That half gain, brighter, broken thing, and this. And so that's what Crom is. So, in nice. one mode, it's similar to what the guy had when it was down. And in the other mode, mm -hmm. it's opened up. Like the turbo on is basically like the full on, like we are raging and going again. And the, the trick we found with it's it was the the, with the tweet amp tone control in the middle, the mountain control kind of helps us do that both too. So, um, nice. so we'll do Crom as a wider thing. We've had people ask us for that and I'm pumped about it. And, uh, I'm, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. This is going to sound like a weird pet peeve, but I'm pleasantly surprised when we released Crom, how little of the, uh, we didn't get too many people having to say, and the lamentations of the women, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, thank you. Not too much barbarian. Yeah, we stuff. got enough barbarian stuff, but it's sort of like Conan the Barbarian is kind of like spinal tap. Um, like, yeah, you should know there's more lines in the movie than these go to 11. If that makes sense. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you should at least know it's blacker than black. <laughs> I like yeah. it. My personal favorite is, what's the difference between golf and mini golf? And the guy goes, the balls are smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, my God. I, I like shit sandwich myself. <laughs> what's the... Uh, <laughs> it's like, he's, he's tied up, you know, on a cross, bare naked with these scantily clad women like what's what's more offensive about that than smell the glove you know duke fanny yeah, <laughs> tied up you know or fred, fred willard fred willard is unbelievable in spinal yeah. tattoo like the whole oh bless his heart and then like him like so we'll you get we'll get you guys on at like 900 hours and then at 1100 hours we'll be done with this <laughs> It'll all be over with. And then, like, Derek, Derek Smalls is like, so we're playing for 600 hours. <laughs> it's a perfect game. Military time thing. It's so, so great. And also the bad math, like he doesn't do the math right or whatever. And Like Spinal Tap. Yeah. So Conan has a bunch of stuff like this, but we were watching, I was laughing about this, Conan the Barbarian, I've definitely fallen down a hole with it, sidebar, I won't go too long on this, but um, I was reading something somebody said where like, the, so the Coen brothers based 
Walter Sobchak from Real Big Lebowski on John Milius, the guy who wrote and directed Conan the Barbarian. Like, huh. they basically, like, point by point, Sobchak is John Milius, the guy who wrote Conan the Barbarian. And from what I've heard, they and their friends, like Bruce Campbell and a lot of those people who have all been friends together, all watched Conan the Barbarian and kind of thought, like, it's like they, they kind of took it the way I might, which is like, this is almost like a parody of like this, like mindset, you know, yeah. like it's like, it's so over the top. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. must like kill the, I must kill the snake God and do all this stuff. And you're like, you know, the, the only thing, you yeah. know, the, the dad points the sword and it's like this, this you can trust, you know, like it's just sort of like these, like, it's like, it's so over the top. They thought it was hilarious. And like John Milius was like dead serious. The whole time, like he's like, this is like, like he thought this was like his manifesto. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so like they're like, oh, so when they wrote Subcheck, it's like Subcheck is dead serious about all the stuff he's like saying <laughs> all the time about you know, like you know, like just everything. So, um, but they love. Never it. underestimate the confidence of mediocrity. <laughs> A mediocre white man. Oh Lord! In 2022, give me the confidence of a mediocre. Say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, but at least it's an ethos. (laughs) 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 Nihilism. Fuck me. (laughs) So like, so it's like, but then we had a customer who was like. Man, I love this Schwarzenegger kick that you guys have been on with your brand. I'm like, what? And he goes like, yeah, you know, Olympia, like Mr. Olympia. And then you have the Terminator 2 quotes on the inside of your megabyte boards. And then you have Chrome. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we meant to do that. You know, like. Oh, that's <laughs> It's that moment where you realize that your hobbies have gone way too far into infiltrating your yes, life. Yes, like it's like the, 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 the Schwarzenegger-ness is, is like there. Um, but the other thing is we're going to do, we, we leaked a little video of this, but we're finally going to do some kind of phasery vibey thing. Um, we've had our customers ask us for this for years and, um, we're finally going to do it. We're going to give the people what they want. Um, and we'll do that later this year. We'll figure out exactly when, but I'm like, I'm 95% in on the prototype. We have like two values to change. And I feel really good. And there have been some hilarious – during the development of this, I have to admit something. There have been some definite, like um, – there's been some definite, like, files are in the computer Zoolander moments for me on the engineering front. Yep. Working on this one. Like, where I'm like, I'm, like, clearly getting things wrong. Oh, yes. Yes, Chris Gardner. Love it. Love it. Number 16 signed on the inside. Yep. And still all and still entirely hand wired on those. Yeah, the um and so yeah, we've been I'll feel this is a long journey done. Like this is unfinished business, you know, getting the phasery vibey thing um done. And I was explaining it to someone like if if people expect it to do like this phaser thing. They're like, fine, I can sell this thing. They're probably going to be disappointed because 
like, I'm trying to do this with it. And I think this is cool. And it does a lot of these things that are cool. But if you're like, I think this is a struggle. A lot of boutique guys struggle with where like people are like, well, this is, is this going to do my memory, man? I'm like, no, like, you have a memory man. You have a memory man. You keep that memory. Yep. That, that exists. exists. You do that. You know? And I think people sometimes get benchmarked against these things. Like, I've even been guilty of it. Like, the first time I played, like, the Diamond Memory Lane years ago, I was like, well, this doesn't sound like a memory man. You know? And I'm like, why? That's that, not why it. did I expect that? You know? So... Well, we'll be able to put this out, and I think people will think it's. I think people will be excited, and it'll be cool. Um, I'm pumped for it because there's there's been a lot of times I've been playing around with this thing, and I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening, and I hope people love it as much as I love it. You know. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome. I'm really excited for that. I hope I get you to will. Play it you selfishly. will, and I, and I'm I'm I'm. That's. If people if people like it half as much as I like it, then we're in good shape, you know. That's the awesome. fun of like somersault was that way for me too. Where I was like, I like I got it on the breadboard, and I was like, okay, just don't fuck this up. Like you know, like don't touch any wires. <laughs> like get the potential. You know, we had a bunch of variable resistors for me to measure like different things, so like I could measure them to get exactly the value right and i'm like cut power to this thing mm -hmm. and don't touch anything just get the values so we can send these and get it right and pin it down exactly where yeah. we want it um to the point where like john cusack who's doing some of our who's done a lot of manufacturing for us on some of the board side was like are you sure about these values and i'm like i am sure i am dead sure you know but um yeah, same kind of thing with this, where I'm like, I can't believe it's doing this. I love it. Let's just not screw this up, you know. And that's that's totally. that's the nice. that's the real excitement for us. But I'm, I'm like, and just love it. All of a sudden, I, I don't know how you're feeling about 2022 already. I'm nervous about you know, you know, impending apocalypse of the world. But I'm kind of loving playing guitar again and like. Um, I've gotten uh, kind of weirdly obsessed with like being able to like with, between the GNL and my Strat. The, GN, the other thing the GNLs do fantastically, the Legacies, is if you get that tremolo thing set up in tune, you cannot knock that thing out of tune. It is crazy. Like I'm decking it. And I, Leo, Leo did fix some fixed shit. Some yeah. shit on those guitars, and yeah. I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm just. I was playing around. I, I took that thing with me on vacation, on and I just video. was like, "Man, I just need to spend a lot of time learning all the twang bar tricks that I can think of because I was having just a blast." You know, getting back to using a whammy bar again and having fun with it. You know, um, and that's yeah. th those are the two big things and more stuff coming. But we're hoping to have those by the first half of this year, um, and more cool shit. You know, getting into this. And we're moving into a new building. And if you're in um, Columbia, South Carolina, we're moving in. We're, we're going to be sharing a space with a big recording studio here and a um, video production team. We are going in on buying a building, which is really exciting. Ooh, yes, we're taking over nice. a bunch of square footage and owning a building. And 
that's its own batch of headaches. And I can't believe I'm spending this much money. And, uh, but it's going to be pretty darn exciting. We're all, we're all friends. Three companies are friends and hopefully we won't not be friends. <laughs> we'll remain <laughs> friends, yeah. you know, but I feel it's really mm-hmm. exciting. And there's some real chances for each of our businesses with this, um, you know, the video production thing, having a, a real committed space that's awesome for them to meet with clients, us having a bigger production area, uh, a recording studio and things, uh, a recording studio that's going to have a f- over 2,000 square foot live room, like, which is just non-existent. Wow, that's so, that's, that's huge. Yeah. That's Holy shit. bigger than my that's- house. That's bigger than my house. Like, yes, also bigger than like my house. Wow, we're, we're, we've been noticing like a lot of places, even stu- a lot of studios that we like are still tracking drums in rooms that are tiny. You know, they're like, yep. they're just stuck. Mm-hmm. We're like, imagine the drums and the strings and different stuff you can bring in when you have this big of a live room. Like, yep, and it's like yeah. a tall ceiling, thatched live room, big. You know, where you're like, son of a, mm-hmm. you know, this could be genuinely awesome. Um, and, you know, more access to guitars and amps and synths and wacky shit than we know what to do with. I'm restoring like an old Russian synthesizer that we got that uh, for the place. You know, I'll be posting pics of this. The thing is crazy. Somebody found it in like an Airbnb or an abandoned house and they're like... Uh, it doesn't belong to anybody. You want it for 70 bucks? And I was like, sure. You know, it's a project. Um, and so yeah. there's like just wacky fun stuff on those fronts. And just and learning to create content. I'm still blown away by how good you guys make stuff look and sound. I've been struggling with that. Like, I can't get audio and video synced yeah. up very easily. It's a challenge. We're having oh. I can yeah, you can use use Premiere Pro and then just uh, use the synchronizer. That's what I'm starting yep. to realize I'm gonna have to do. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna have to spend some coin and do yeah. that, you know. But good shit. Yeah, it's worth it's it's worth it's really worth it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, well, um, I actually I have to go put in some medicated eye drops. You will. This has been a blast for <laughs> You are awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Um, please, everyone, go check out Caroline Guitar Company. Join their email list so you can be the first to hear about their new drops. Check out their pedals. Uh, y'all don't sell direct pedal-wise, but you, they do sell we do merch. We do sell merch, and we occasionally do directs when they're the limited runs for charity and stuff like that. Like that awesome lo-fi shirt, we do direct, yeah. and we do drops the, the special runs for charity and stuff twice a year so that's mm. that's really pretty awesome yeah and yeah yeah donating a bunch of money to mercy and to the um the western kentucky uh the kitchen fund for uh for disaster relief mm-hmm. in western K- kentucky it felt awesome to be able to put write checks and put a chunk of money towards those things because we sell pedals it's, it's so amazing great. like pedals yes. and yet, yet it's like it's pretty great. So yeah, get to yeah. do some good shit. So thank, thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Great chat. Thank you. Totally. Thank you. Yes. Uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash get offset. We have merch like Andrew's shirt 
at getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Please subscribe, review on iTunes and Spotify. Blah, 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 blah. Um, until next time, thanks for watching. Andrew? Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs> My, name is White. My name is Emily. <laughs> That's Philippe. All right, ready? Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.